and welcome to Under the Grid, the podcast exploring the history of Milton Keynes from the collections team at Milton Keynes Museum. We delve deep and not so deep into time to tell you some of our favourite things about the area and share our discoveries from working at the museum. I'm Catherine, I'm the archivist. I'm Sarah, I'm the collections officer. And I'm Tabitha, I'm the archaeology curator and collections conservator. So today we are talking about a different kind of history, actually, sort of the history that never was. Yeah, never happened. Um, And we've got our first guest. We're very excited. Um, We've got Tim Skelton joining us. Tim is the chair of Milton Keynes Forum, which is the Civic Society for Milton Keynes. And he also worked for the Development Corporation from 1979 to 1989. Um, so welcome to Under the Grid, Tim. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. Um, so we're going to be talking about some of the schemes that the Development Corporation maybe didn't happen or definitely didn't happen. Um, shall we start with City Club? Because people might be quite familiar or relatively familiar with City Club because various organisations have used it as inspiration recently. Um, including MK Gallery and places like that. So um, what was City Club, Tim? It was a grand plan from the Development Corporation to put a load of um, various leisure facilities all in one building in the city centre um, to act both as something for the residents and an attraction to bring people into Milton Keynes. So everything from um, you know sw- swimming pool, and exhibition halls and things like that, and all sorts of incidental things. It, um, um, yes, just a wide variety of things. It went through several different stages as well, didn't it? I think there were different phases to it. Yes, I think the basic problem with all of this was that the development corporation couldn't act as a developer, so it needed a commercial body to um, to fund it, basically, and make it happen. And... This was the early 1970s, and it was very difficult to get um, to get the investment. So, you know, various ideas were, were um, brought to the table of things that could go in it to try and make it more popular. So. And it was planned for um, the central Milton Keynes area, quite a few blocks around where Christ the Cornerstone is. Yeah, it was the blocks from there down towards the station. Yeah, so it would have been huge. Um, What's, what, has anything come close to it, really? Um, I suppose the closest that's been built is actually Escape, mm. which has the mixture of the obviously the um, snow slope and the cinemas and the Tempin Bowling Alley, which yes. I don't know whether that's still there or not. Um, and um, well, that, I mean, that's got the casino now, so and various shops as well. So that, that I think is the closest. Yes, doesn't have a mad scientist area though. Well, no, the city club was going to. Afraid have. not. No, all the, all the the wacky things that uh, were on the drawings. Yeah, that's super fun. We've got um, the drawings for one stage of them um, at the city discovery centre, and it's just a huge drawing with lots of labels. They were going to have, um, as Sarah says, a mad scientist area. Um, there was a, a maze, an ice rink, trampolining. Because right? there's pictures of people leaping in the air. I remember yeah. that. Japan, a Japanese mark. garden. Yes. Yeah. There was a market, a bazaar or something yeah. as well. Uh, something underground. Was that ice skating or a disco? 
Maybe the disco, yeah. Yeah, it was very ambitious. Nice. And so do we know why it didn't happen? Well, because it was unfundable, basically. No, it, just, it was a great idea, but um, it needed investment. And you know, it was the early 1970s. And this whole idea of investing in leisure you know, just wasn't the sort of thing that was done in the 1970s. So we were really... Um, it was. It would have been. Well, it was a struggle to try and get some somebody to do it. You know. We were having a conversation the other day, weren't we, about if it had happened, what it might look like now, and it might not be as glamorous as it was when it was built. Well, <laughs> you know, the thing is, it, it's supposed to have a wave pool, mm. and if you think over the last fifteen years, we've lost two swimming pools in Northern Keynes, the Bletchley and Shenley Church End, um, near the point, which was kind of a small version of it you know that disappeared within basically 15 years so i mean leisure is an ephemeral um thing development so you know these things are happening all the time and um, getting worn out yeah it would have been much too expensive i think and the good news is we've got the trampolining anyway because they have it at the gate too yes they do Mm. yeah so possibly a lot of the elements of it do now exist just not all in one central location I do like looking at the drawings of the city. Yeah. We'll <laughs> so have to put the picture up if we're allowed to. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a classic thing where it actually looks better in the drawings. Yeah. Than yes. it would have done on the ground. <laughs> and and models, of course. And uh, I mean, there's the wonderful Helmut Jacobi drawing of the wave pool mm-hmm. with the chap in there with a, uh, his briar pipe smoking by. <laughs> on a very dodgy 1970s moustache. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, he's great. And waves that, if they were real waves, would be crashing all over the side of it. Flooded the whole place. <laughs> okay, so next, we were going to, ha- we might have had a sort of Italian style great home. What's the story behind that? Oh, that's that's brilliant. Um, the architect for great home, the original architect, for, is a, going to be a rental scheme, was a chap called Peter Barker, who designed the church at Coffee Hall that's been demolished and um, Pear Tree Bridge rental housing. And he and a number of um, colleagues went away, so I'm told, to his holiday cottage in Dorset or somewhere for the summer mm-hmm. to design the rental housing scheme that was going to go into Great Home. And they had this idea for an Italian hill village and came back and did all the drawings and were about to present them to the corporation's executive management committee. And... Somebody not in the team looked at the drawings and said, I think you've got the scale wrong. And what had happened was they had a a contour drawing which just had figures on it, but no indication as to whether they were feet or metres. And they had assumed feet and it was really metres. So so, so the the, the slope was a third what it should be. (laughs) And um, it didn't get presented to the committee and never never got built. But... um, and the thing is that if you look at the drawings in the City Discovery Centre, you wouldn't understand that. You'd just know it's a scheme that didn't get built, mm-hmm. but it's this lovely thing. I, mean, I was told it by one of my colleagues at a um, just a reception one evening on something else. And said, did you know about this? And did they have to come up really quickly with an alternative to present, or were they able to say, actually, we're not quite ready and go in? Well, I, I think it probably all happened at a time when the corporation's money and government was being cut back. So there was a sort of hiatus of a number of years in Great Homes. So 
that probably didn't help. But so whether <laughs> whether it might have got built had the money had it not been a, a problem, I don't know. But um, yeah, so always just... check your uh, <laughs> check your measurements. Check yeah, your units of measurement. I remember Dad saying he worked on construction sites when he first started working. And I can't remember which way around it was, but they did something like the vertical in imperial and the horizontal in metric. Oh, no. The other way around, what? which sounds like an absolute nightmare. Yeah. But he said it was con causing confusion for everybody, mm. unsurprisingly. Well, <laughs> one of my colleagues is an architect at the corporation. This was, he'd only just really started working as an architect. Said, I think he set out his first drawing with a steel tape. And the problem is, it steel expands, so it wasn't quite right. Oh, so, you, no. so she should use the cloth tape. Um, so he he learned a vital lesson. Mm, yes, <laughs> he learned it early. But yes. I will. Um, I won't name him. But he designed some <laughs> very nice buildings in Milton Keynes. So. Oh, excellent. Um, so the next thing we were interested in talking about was um, so the development corporation were very good at wanting to provide housing for all types of people. Um, so, you know, families, single occupants, elderly, low cost housing, high cost housing, that kind of stuff. Um, and there was a low cost housing scheme that um, you were talking to us about that never happened. Yeah, they had various um, attempts at trying to get to the bottom of the housing market because it, you know, it was a problem, still is. It probably is worse now than it was in the 1970s and so they came up with a number of things one was they actually looked at um, the development of small houses so little one bed flats with um, sort of balcony bedrooms and so, so these were blocks built in blocks of four um, for a site in Stantonbury um, which didn't get built and subsequently went for low price housing developed by Barrett Bryant's in Cross, Cross Hills I think it is um, but um, and subsequently the, the idea was picked up by Barrett's about five or six years later which is interesting and they built a house like this at Homeworld oh, and then okay. other houses um, around Milton Keynes and Wilcon did something similar as well but also um, they were investing the corporation looked at doing houses in um, of GRP glass reinforced plastic fiberglass and they had a couple of goes at this and built some, built an experimental house at um, in the garden at Wavendon Tower, the corporation's headquarters. Oh, so they actually built like a little prototype. Yeah, a little, it was a sort of prefabricated modular house. Mm. And there are photo, photographs of that. I never actually went in it, but um, but it was you know, just too expensive. Oh, so it day. was too expensive to build and then it would have been too expensive for people to buy. Yeah, I, I think yeah, because of the the cost, and you know, I I don't know how much of this sort of thing the corporation was encouraged to do by government because it all had to be paid for, mm. and you know, the idea of you know, prefabricated houses it was very much a nineteen sixties nineteen seventies thing, um, but I think it was just too expensive to do, and all the corporation's money was borrowed from the government on a sixty year loan, so really stuff had to last for sixty years, and I don't think. These would have lasted that long, but it was it was interesting experimentation to see how and far it could they go. did a lot of experimentation, didn't they, at the corporation? Um, they were quite pioneering in their thinking in terms of you know if the developers then took on this idea of um, 
doing lower budget homes um, and the corporation were thinking of it first that's quite interesting that they were trying to provide for you know people who maybe couldn't afford houses yeah well it, it was a big problem um the, yeah. uh, there was a, the, the lowest priced housing they did as such was Granby Court, which was um, I think a very successful scheme, largely unknown but, uh, and un unappreciated. But the, the whole problem was that the Milton Keynes had to be built by construction workers in fairly low paid jobs, so they needed low priced, low cost housing um, to give them places to live. Yeah, and it's interesting, it's still a problem we're dealing with today. Yeah, well, I was, I was doing some research recently and looking at uh, some committee papers in Aylesbury, the corporation papers, and they're, they're, at the time, developers would not build low-cost housing because there wasn't enough profit in it for them. No. Still the same. <laughs> yeah. You don't think about them having to build the houses for the people that were building the houses to live in. Yeah, no, because I mean, there wasn't much here, so no. they needed to build their houses as well as the houses for the other people to come in. Yeah, it's um, quite a tricky problem, really, especially in somewhere like Milton Keynes, where there isn't a you know the forty thousand people at designation, but not huge amounts of available housing. So we were also really interested in eco towns because there are a couple of concepts. Um, for eco-towns in Milton Keynes. Can you tell us a bit about those? There's one that I didn't know about until I went to speak to a chap called Don Rich. And um, he, uh, he and Neil Higson, who was the corporation's chief landscape architect, Don was um, one of the senior directors of the Development Corporation. And they put together a scheme for... Um, an eco village that would have been in Ashland, the two bits of Ashland, the bit where Domino's Pizza is and the bit where the lake is. And there are drawings of that that um, I've come across. But I, th I don't know quite how serious it was. I think it was just kind of floating an idea to test the feasibility of it. Uh, and then the Town and Country Planning Association in the early 80s were looking at doing a eco-village or something, like, you know, a new garden city type thing, community development. And I think Lord Campbell took the initiative and said, welcome to Milton Keynes, and a site was identified at Crown Hill. But it didn't work, you know, plans were done, but it comes down to the old problem of land value. Again, we couldn't give the land away allowed to um, but they did they stuck with it the Greentown people and went to Telford and oh, there's a small development up in Telford which is the remnants of it oh I didn't know that that's interesting yeah oh. but I can't remember the name but <laughs> oh, yeah so I think cooperative living and that kind of thing is probably another thing that's sort of still on the agenda and still something that people would like to see a bit more of um, so again it's interesting that the corporation were encouraging it or at least investigating mm. it you know in the 70s and the 80s yes. i think that the general philosophy of the corporation um and it was partly my job when i was in the commerce department was any daft idea that came in 
we wouldn't dismiss it, but we would we would actually investigate it just to see whether there's any worth in it. Yeah. Because you never know which of these will buy it. And, you know, that, that people came in with genuine ideas that they'd worked and thought about. I mean, the, the classic one that worked, of course, was the, um, uh, the point in the cinema, which wasn't any, you know, hadn't been done in this country and mm-hmm. we thought the bloke was mad. But um, <laughs> That's funny. But, you know, this, this whole thing about encouraging, just encouraging people. Um, there was a lady whose husband had a brain tumour or something and she wanted to raise funds to build a care home for him. And, you know, we said, well, yes, here's a site for you. And she raised the money and it's in first, and I think it is, Thomas Mitten House, I think. Wow. But, you know, it was that sort of thing. We had land and uh, said, because, you know, with a lot of people, it's, to raise money, you need land. Yes. Start. And it's just kind of vicious circle. But if we say, well, there's a site here for you, then they can then go out to the people and say, well, we've got a site. Yeah, I love that yeah. encouraging sort of work environment where they're just like, just try anything and then yeah. see what happens. <laughs> there are no stupid ideas. They're just things we haven't mm. thought of yet. Yeah. And so uh, another one is um, the Central Business Exchange, which did actually get built, but it was supposed to be slightly different. I think. Um, so Central Business Exchange is um, Central Milton Keynes, uh, just behind where, well, what was the only hotel in Central Milton Keynes for a while, um, just up there. So what were the differences between what was planned and what got built? The intention was to build a commercial leisure, um, I was going to say rivals, the wrong word, um, version of the shopping building. Okay. Um, the shopping building had been a huge success, and investors were had recognised that Milton Keynes was increasingly attractive place to invest and make money, and they wanted another big idea. So, the big idea we came up with was the Central Business Exchange, which was a planned to be a mixture of business, leisure, residential, and would occupy basically. Be the same size as the shopping building, so two eight blocklets, but stretching from um, uh, Saxon Gate down to uh, Grafton Gate. That was the idea, basically. And with a um, mixture on either side of offices, and in the middle between these blocks of offices fronting the boulevards, would be leisure developments, um, hotel um, open areas. Um, and uh, plazas and things like that. So the, the, the first phase was um, the bit which had the, is it the 40 Crest Hotel? I don't know, mm, I don't know it what it's called now. <laughs> uh, what was it to begin with? I don't remember. Uh, post The Post House, house is what I think of it, but I think yeah. it's, it's the Hilton now. I, I think it's the, Hil- the Holiday Inn maybe? Holiday Inn, yeah. Could be. Uh, and behind that, the open courtyard, and then behind that, the Winter Garden, which was a mixture of leisure. There's a health club on the bottom floor, and then restaurants, then the um, tropical gardens, and then that was going to open onto another courtyard, and then all the way down to um, uh, Wittengate, firstly Wittengate, then beyond Wittengate, and on the south side would be large um, single occupancy offices, 
So that's where Argos Sainsbury's are at the moment. That was the first of those. And then on the other side, northern side, would be multi-let offices with a, an atrium threading all the way through. Um, and the first block was built. Um, and then as with the hotel and the winter garden. And that was nine, early 1980s. And it was at a time when, difficult to believe now, the, there was no... Well, the development opportunities elsewhere in the country for commercial development were very limited. Um, and um, Fred Roach, the general manager of the Development Corporation, had left the Development Corporation in 1980 and set up a development company with Terence Conran, the um, owner of Habitat. Mm -hmm. And they were going to develop a place called Butler's Wharf, which is just alongside Tower Bridge. And these were original Dockland buildings. And um, that fell foul of the recession in the early 80s, actually. And, um, you know, Docklands was a no-go area. So there was nowhere for developers to invest. So the idea was we were offering them in Milton Keynes an op a development opportunity. All this um, offices, sh um, shops, leisure, hotels. Uh, but then the sort of 80s, the property crash happened, all the property market declined. And... And Docklands started to come on board. There was a Docklands Development Corporation was set up, so it attracted development there through the Enterprise Zone and then Canary Wharf later on. But, mm -hmm. um, but the idea was you know, CBX was going to be a real you know, standout piece of development. So for all sorts of reasons, mm -hmm. it um, got truncated. And I mean, things like we were told we wanted a, an ice rink in it um, in the middle, like the one in Times Square in New York. And people said, no, that won't work. <laughs> and now you get an ice drink at Frost at Christmas. Yes. Uh, we were told that it would be wrong to mix offices and residential. Now that's done all the time. So it was way ahead of its time. But... Yeah, I was going to say, like, the housing is, seems to be the thing that didn't quite happen uh, in the way that they planned. And now mm. if you look at something like the hub, which is sort of almost next door to CBX, yeah. You've got, you know, the businesses underneath, uh, flats and stuff above it, um, and then Sainsbury's across the way as well. Mm. So again, you know, the corporation were thinking of something that other people then went on to do later on, which is mm. interesting. But the, the thinking as well was that we'd use the um, the commercial to cross-subsidise the leisure that was less profitable. Yeah. And one thing we wanted in there was an art gallery because we knew that... Um, you know, it'd be difficult to find, we're you know, struggling to get a gallery here. Yeah. And so we, because um, I was working on the project by then, and we went, we contacted the Arts Council and said, are there any collections looking for a home? I said, yeah, there are some. So we went down, had a day going around London, <laughs> looking at them. Very nice. Good um, But the same thinking was used at the same time on Kingston, the district centre there, where the social bit was the gymnasium, the table tennis club, which got built. Mm. So that was exactly the same sort of thing where we were using commercial money, money from selling, selling commercial land to provide leisure facilities that were not profitable by themselves. Yeah, so it does work, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think the last thing we were keen to talk to you about was um, Two Mile Ash, because that's quite a good example of how the corporation worked, but there were things that didn't happen. Yeah, the um, original idea for Two Mile Ash 
and it's still a story I'm investigating. Okay. But it was going to be a sort of typical Milton Keynes grid square of the 1970s. So a mixture of sale housing and rental housing. And three, the sale housing scheme started, which is fairways, which is at the northern side. And then there were going to be three rental schemes that were planned and designed and I think almost ready to go out to tender. Um, one of which was going to be a replica of a French Bastide town. That was the idea, so going back to the unbuilt <laughs> great home um, hill village. <laughs> um, and they were on the cards. It was all going through in the mid-70s, in 1976, when Peter Shaw decided to cut back the new town programme because of you know, the increasing wish to invest in the inner cities. And... Uh, the population of Milton Keynes was cut down from a quarter of a million to 150,000, I think, with induced growth up to 200,000. I think that was the figure. And so these schemes that were ready to go just got chopped. And there are um, booklets about them at the City Discovery Centre, so on two of them. And I think on the third, the drawings at the Royal Institute of British Architects, which I'm on the hunt for. I see the, the Bastide town. <laughs> Yeah, there's still mm, more investigation. Yeah, but, but so, so these three schemes never got built. And the, the two-mile ash um, that we see now um, so, so has some of the roads, some of the roads were put in. Okay. So the, you look at maps of Milton Keynes in the late 70s and you see this network of roads in two-mile ash and no houses around them. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect place to go and practice for your driving test. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, probably that's what people were doing, Although probably big banks of earth in the, in the way. <laughs> Off-road driving test. Yeah. But it was just an interesting thing. You, know, you, you look at Milton Keynes today and you don't realise all the stuff that went on. Yeah. Mm. Before. And the, the great thing is these things are in people's memories. Yes. So Important to capture the memories. Yeah, before we all go gaga. But. Yes. And, uh, I mean, that's not even... Not even the half of it, really, in terms of things that were planned but never built, but probably all we have time for today. Well, maybe we've got time for one last one. Is there any project that was your favourite that was never built? Yes, it's and it's a very small scheme in Great Linford, um, where Lufford Park is now. And there's a firm of sort of architects, architects called Aldington and Craig who were very popular in the 1970s and 80s. They built in Wollstone as well, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, and we were trying to get them to build here, to do a scheme here for ages. And um, they'd done work in Wollstone originally. They'd, there's a file at the RIBA with them for Woofton House Hotel, which I have no idea what that is, oh. but I'm on the, uh, on the track of it. And... Um, and for something in Loughton, but none of these happened. But they, I did see drawings of a small scheme they did in Great Linford of bungalows, sort of patio bungalows, which is my favourite sort of building form. And these, where you get this very private garden with an L-shaped bungalow around it, or bungalow or yeah. house. And um, I've seen some sketchy drawings of this one in Great Linford. And if that had been built, because of the... The two very famous schemes that Aldington Craig did, one in Bledlow for Lord Carrington and one at Haddenham where Peter Aldington lives himself, of this type of 
building. And we did actually get them in the end. And um, they did a shared ownership for us at Mendelstrom in Woolstone. Um, and that is very much their style and the scheme at Linford would have been like that. And I, I suspect if it had been built, I'd have probably been living in one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'd been able to afford it, I suppose, because it would have been lovely. But So we did get them, but just not doing your, your the scheme that you would have liked. No, well, you can't win them all. But um, it's true. the corporation always got its man eventually. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. Yes, thank, thank you. I enjoyed that. That was super interesting. A trip down memory lane. Always, yes. Um, we'll try and put some of the pictures for the projects that you've talked about um, on our website with the transcript. Yeah, so we always do a transcript. So if you know somebody who is maybe um, prefers to read rather than listen, um, then the transcripts are always on the website. Um, so just check out miltonkeensmuseum.org.uk and uh, you can read us instead of listen to us. Um, next month, I think we're going to be looking at Wolverton. So staying really local to the museum. Yes, I started my research yesterday. Well done. <laughs> uh, but thank you for listening this month. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode. If you've got an idea for a future topic you'd like us to feature, then get in touch with us via social media. We're at MK Museum on Twitter and Facebook and at Milton Keynes Museum on Instagram. Also, check out our website, miltonkeensmuseum.org.uk.